Dolan, who is aged somewhere between 9 and 13, and the gypsies, Jimbird Flyflower, a strange and knowledgeable old man with a crutch and only one of everything. Ivan the Terrible, the world's worst rock guitarist, and Billy the telephone freak Perkins have landed on Miranda, the smallest of the five moons of Uranus, in a ship which they've stolen from Nasty, the National Association for Research and Scientific and Technological Investigation, and which Jim Bird, as a top man at Nasty, had designed. Nasty sends a pursuit rocket commanded by Crispin Lobb Mincing, head of research and development at Nasty, and crewed by Flipper Pilkington, an ex-army helicopter pilot and a bad one. Bratto the Wonder Boy, winner of every fight and cabin boy, and Father Out, a defrocked Irish priest. Dolan, Ivan and Billy have fallen into a huge cavern beneath the moon's surface and are greeted by a frog-like creature who walks upright is 500 feet tall and does not speak English. When the frog-like thing heard Ivan speak, he immediately fiddled with an odd-looking box dangling from a chain around his neck. And he spoke in English. Sorry about that, my friends, he said. I asked to wait until my guests speak before I can adjust to their language. Who are you? said Dolan. And why do you live in this hole in the ground? And why have we landed in this safety net? And what are all those strange-looking galleries down there? And why can't I breathe the air? And what are those twittering noises coming from the bushes down there? And why... One moment, my little one, said the frog, and I'll explain. You see, very many years ago... Uranus was inhabited by a race of critters just like me, only smaller. And they multiplied, and multiplied, until in the end, everyone was standing shoulder to shoulder. And no one would move, or play, or eat, or anything. So what with everyone being totally fed up and cramped and whatnot, the government, as is the way with all governments, picked on a scapegoat to take the blame for everyone's discomfort. And our scapegoat was me. But why did they pick on you? Demanded Dolan. Because I was an easy target, said the frog. Because apart from being bigger than everyone else, I also had more brains. And as head of technology on Uranus, I could be held to be the one to blame for the overpopulation. So they put me forcibly into a rocket and blasted me off into space. Luckily, their aim wasn't very good. And after about five minutes, I ended up on this lovely little moon, Miranda. And what happened to your people? Uh, down there? Said Dolan, pointing vaguely. My people, as you call them, said the frog, simply died of overconsumption. They consumed all the air, all the water, all the food. And when it all ran out, they just fell down dead all over the place. And that's why there's no oxygen on Uranus. Just methane. Like up here, as your unfortunate pursuer, farther out, discovered, to his cost. What's me saying then? said Ivan. Your coal miners will call it fire damp or marsh gas, whereas your gas board, they'd label it natural gas. Incidentally, that stockpile you got under your North Sea, that's gonna run out. 
It's a simple hydrocarbon of the paraffin series, just to confuse you further. Yeah, yeah. We're confused, all right, said Dolan. But by good fortune, or whatever, I happen to have a magic touch with things both material and immaterial. For instance, I hollowed out this huge cavern with a bit of a wave of me hand, and I filled it with oxygen, nitrogen, and all the rest of the breathables, and simply set up house here, you see. But why did they pick on you in the first place? said Dolan. The reason they picked on me was just that I was too clever for them, and they felt embarrassed, I suppose. And uh, what do you do with your time? asked Billy. The frog-like creature sighed. I have made myself king of the big green things. He looked at Dolan. The twittering noise you asked about are my subjects, the relatively big green things. They're all only about ten feet tall and do not speak at all. They just squeak. If you look carefully, you'll see them peeking out at you behind the tropical shrubs, which I also created. The three searched the greenery, four hundred feet beneath them and indeed an occasional twitch of a branch revealed a curious green, mouse-like face peering up at them. The king continued, And I also amuse myself with my galleries, which I think you'll have noticed, lining the walls of the cavern, as far as your eyes can see. And he waved his hand in a gesture, which took in the whole magical vista. Would you like to take a closer look? When the children nodded their approval... The king chomped his cigar to one side of his mouth, blew the smoke from the other to avoid choking them, and gently lifted the three from the net and deposited them on the floor of the cavern. Ivan and Billy immediately ran in the direction of the brightly lit galleries, but Dolan remained at the king's feet and yelled, But why the safety net and the trapdoor? Because, little one, said the king, I always knew that someday... Somebody had fall down that crevasse, find that button, press it, and slide down into my world. And I didn't want them falling four hundred feet and hurting themselves. The king wiped a tear from his eye. Off you go now, and enjoy my magic galleries. Dolan saw Ivan, gaping in wonder, at a huge entrance marked music. While Billy was transfixed by a twinkling doorway, with the sign telecommunications above it but seductive smells of every imaginable food from bacon sandwiches to beef curry from jam on toast to gooseberry pie and cream from bananas to spaghetti bolognese were floating from another gallery which bore the legend cuisine and that's where Dolan headed Back on the surface of Miranda, things were happening. Jimbird Flyflower had recovered from his burst of hilarity at seeing Father Out almost succumb to the thin methane atmosphere of the moon, and he and Crispin Lob Mincing were now deep in conversation, clad in their silver spacesuits, midway between the two rockets, which stood about 50 metres apart. But you've got to take it back, Lob Mincing was saying. There's more a chance of me growing another leg back, laughed Jimbird. But I signed for that rocket, and I'm the one as is liable, Lobmincing protested. Then just don't go back, said Jimbird, with direct simplicity. 
Lob Mincing, could hardly believe his ears. Thievery was not one of his traits. What? cried Lob Mincing. Have a little holiday. Take a swan around the solar system. Have a little look at a galaxy or two. There's nothing to it. I couldn't do that. Of course you could, said Jimbird. Listen, the world as you and me knows it is run by thieves, monsters, incompetence and charlatans. Do you think they'd give a tuppenny damn if somebody ran off with one or two of their rockets? Would they know? And if they did, would they care? Curse not. Those idiots, better known as politicians, care only that they can be seen to be exercising their powers. Otherwise, it doesn't exist, either for them or for their victims. Hmm, said Lob Mincing, uncertain. Hum, nothing, my boy, said Jimbird. There's nothing so life-enhancing as breaking a few rules now and then. That's what makes breathing so much fun. Well, there's rules and there's rules, said Lob Mincing. So I sees, agreed Jimbird. Eyeing Crispin's crew. Lob Mincing noticed. Yes, well, said Lob Mincing. I see you've uh, noticed my colleagues. I'll admit... They're a bit of a scratch crew, but they do have their merits. Oh, really? smiled Jimbird. Yes, of course, said Lob Mincing. Young Bratto there has never been known to lose a fight. Very handy, that. And next to him is Flipper. He flies helicopters, you know. And last, but by no means least, Big Ab. Is farther out. Not least, as he says, and unfrocked, but a valuable member of me crew. Just so long as he remembers to put his spacesuit on before he leaves the ship. Well, me friend, just as soon as I've discovered the whereabouts of me juvenile crew, I can see no reason why we can't take up a team and explore the vastness of space together. What do you say? Lob Mincing conducted a brief inward battle between his conditioned reflexes, which told him naturally that Jimbird's suggestion was wrong against the law and inconvenient, after all, he had a budgie to feed back home, and his better nature, which argued that nicer things are nicer than nasty things. And having come this far, a matter of some 17,000 million miles, there was no reason for not carrying on. And anyway, his auntie could look after the budgie. His better nature won outright. All right, said Lob Mincing. But about our boss... What? Major General Fester B. Snarkbuster, USAF, retired? The very same, said Lob Mincing. Well, what about the old bumbler? Well, I think... Lob Mincing leaned as close to Jimbird as their spacesuits would allow. I think... He hesitated. He's a spy...